G'day there, everybody. Welcome along. It is the V8 Sleuth podcast powered by Timken, a world leader in engineered bearings and mechanical power transmission products and services. Well, I was about to say we're on the road to the super cheap auto Bathurst 1000, but for many, including us, we're not on the road this year to Bathurst, uh, literally. But figuratively, we are. The great race is not far away, and we are getting in for our Bathurst 1000 preview episode, episode 72 of the podcast. Will Dale is on the headphones and the line. Uh, greetings to you, fine sir. We've got a ruler here to run right across all the cars and drivers for the 2020 great race. Uh, time to make some big calls and uh, some big predictions here. Thanks, Nice. It's one of those years where it's actually kind of hard to definitively say what's going to happen because there's so many different unknowns heading into the weekend compared to years past. Well, not just for the race, but for the world. Yeah, cool. <laughs> the world, yes, the yeah. world is the great unknown uh, in, in 2020 in these uh, COVID times upon which uh, we find ourselves. The 60th running of the Bathurst Great Race, of course, from 1963 onwards. Two races in 97 and 98, hence why this is the 60th running. It's not the 60th year or the 60th anniversary. Uh, a lot of people tend to have trouble when we roll out those statistics. But it is round 11, race 31 of the 2020 championship. And I think it's a, a race that, if I'm honest, in April, May, June, if you'd asked me to put money on it, whether there would be a Bathurst 1000 this year, I would have been prepared to bet that we weren't going to have one. So the simple fact that we are having one, uh, albeit with a much reduced crowd, very different scenario for a lot of people, uh, is still a win compared to the alternative where we'd be sitting around, waiting, hoping, thinking, praying, uh, for a Bathurst 1000 to be held and ultimately maybe not getting one. Absolutely. And it will, of course, I guess, set a record for the smallest crowd attendance in Bathurst 1000 history, unfortunately, with only, was it capped at 4,000 spectators this year? I think it's, is it 8% of what the normal daily crowd is there? But I was thinking about that the other day. You think about the crowd size at Bathurst and how many people are at the top of the mountain that won't be there this year. So mm. the concentration of people that will be at the bottom on pit straight, the final corner, or whatever the areas are, are deemed uh, the go zones there, that'll still make a good atmosphere for the start and the finish of the race because there will be a concentrated number of people in that one spot. It's not like there's 4,000 people spread around the top, the bottom, the chase, uh, they'll all be in essentially in the one sort of area. So I reckon if you get the, the passion right and there's something really brewing in that race late and there's a fight for the lead or an important overtake, I think we're going to get that emotion. We're going to get watching on TV at home. You'll hear the crowd because they'll be extra boisterous this year because they are the only ones there. Uh, and there'll be enough of them, I reckon, in that area to, to shine through on the microphones for TV. Totally. It's Now you mentioned that, it's going to be interesting seeing how the podium celebrations unfold this year because it will be very strange to see a big gathering of people socially distanced under the podium. Socially distanced is not what you would describe any Bathurst podium, particularly underneath it, in any year. You would no. say it's very socially crowded yes. uh, <laughs> rather than anything else. So, yeah, the distance is 0.001 of a yeah, centimetre. Yeah, well, that's when they're not draping across one another, fighting mm. for whatever, been, uh, whatever item has been thrown off the podium. Uh, there's so many different elements to this year's race. Obviously, the build-up has been very strange. No uh, co-driver lead-in races. Bit of chat in the last week or two that this might be the norm uh, moving forward, that we might just have. Bathurst is the only co-driver race as part of the championship in the future, which is quite amazing to think. But for me, the thing that's going to stick out here really heavily is 
the sheer lack of seat time for nine-tenths of the field who have not been doing the couple of rounds of Super 2 who have been parked by Porsche Carrera Cup not racing or GTs or uh, test days, ride days, all of the things that an endurance co-driver gets in the lead-up to Bathurst are all out the door this year. So the pressure and the focus on the quality of the co-drivers is going to be higher than ever. It's going to be an interesting interesting leveler in terms of ex- I think the experienced guys are really going to shine through your Garth Tanders, your Craig Lowndes, the guys who have done this year in year out over the past few years over, over a long time now the younger guys who have missed out on that seat time that's going to be interesting um, to see how they perform and I remember I was thinking about all the um, the stories in the lead up to the Bathurst schedule being announced talking about, oh, yeah, the co-drivers will get extra extra time. They'll get extra time. And it amounts, in, the, in terms of the hard schedule, they get an extra half an hour on Saturday morning. That's it. I mean, in, I'm sure... In, in terms of their dedicated their session dedicated time. dedicated sessions. Yeah. I sure, think yeah. te- teams will put their co-drivers in much more... They'll have to. ...than the, the, they ever previously have in those sessions that are not determined to have to be just for co-drivers because simply... Don't forget, too, the other side of this equation is that the main drivers have done more racing uh, closer together than they've ever done before. So if they don't have their eye in by now, seriously, they need a new job because they've been doing <laughs> nothing but racing for the last, what, 12, 13 weeks. They've been racing. We had a, a stint there, didn't we, of four rounds in a row across Darwin four Townsville. Uh, then we had, what, a gap, and then we did uh, double at the bend. Mm. So two weekends off leading into Bathurst. If those primary drivers don't have their eye in by now, they need to find a new job because they've done, they've done so much. Yes, they haven't been doing ride days and those other little test days occasionally, but they've done the hand-to-hand battle stuff uh, more often than they normally would. So I think that you'll find that a lot of teams will stick co-drivers in for those sessions or the majority of those sessions where they are allowed to run primary drivers. It's the, it's the only way. But you look at the lineup this year and we will run through Car by car, the field for the super cheap auto Bathurst 1000. Interesting mix. The, the trend of the experienced uh, former full-time driver that becomes the co-driver because there's no longer a ride for them in the main game is getting bigger and higher every year, whereby the quality of co-driver slipped away, I reckon, in recent years. But it's come back now when you put Garth Tander in, when you put Craig Lowndes in, when you put Will Davison in, uh, when you put Michael Caruso in, Jack Perkins the experience levels for co-drivers are at an all-time high. But for anyone else who is not experienced, it's real rookie land. There's guys making debuts, first, uh, first or second starts in the 1,000, and some of them are in pretty good cars. So there's not that middle-range tier of guys have done six Bathurst or seven. They're either pretty fresh or they're pretty veteran. There's nothing really in between. It's funny, you'd think last year we were looking at the two Red Bull combination as being absolute super teams with Lowndes and Wincup being reunited and Tanda joining Shane Van Gisbergen. But you look across the field this year and there are a lot of those kind of very big combos, like maybe not with the level of Bathurst success as the Red Bull guys, but Scott McLaughlin, Tim Slade, Cam Waters, very recent race winner for Tickford Racing with Will Davison. There are some incredibly strong combinations out there in potential race-winning cars. And, and there's young blokes getting a, a big opportunity. Tom Randall with Nick Perkat, Will Brown mm-hmm. with Dave Reynolds, Brody Kostecki with Anthony Pasquale. 
they are clearly cars that are capable of running in the top 10 uh, any day of the week in the Supercars Championship. Well, Brock so Feeney with yeah, James Corden. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we we're going to touch on him. 18 years of age. He turns 18 on race day, on October mm. 18. So that's a, a birthday he's definitely going to remember. <laughs> the, way, the way it sits coming into this race, uh, and we are recording this ahead of time, so... Uh, GRM were kind of leaving their entry and their drivers to the side. So without their drivers, there's five rookies for this year's 1,000 who have never competed in the Bathurst 1,000 before. Kurt Kostecki, Dylan O'Keefe, Jordan Boyce, uh, Zane Goddard and Brock Feeney, who, who you mentioned before. So, uh, And then there's a pile of drivers who don't have much experience but have a bit of supercar experience, whether it be at Bathurst or in Super 2. Uh, the other thing that really stands out for me this year, there's a bunch of really important uh, anniversaries. It's the 50th anniversary of Moffat's first win in 1970. It's the 40th anniversary of Dick hitting the rock. Um, 30th anniversary of HRT's first win in 1990. 20th anniversary of GRM's win uh, back in 2000. But there's so many other little elements here. And I think one thing that hasn't really been covered off on, this will be the first year since 1973 that a member of the Richards family won't be on the grid for a Bathurst 1000. It's an amazing stint uh, and it's an amazing spell, but it comes to an end this year. That's astonishing. I mean, you think that hasn't happened in either of our lifetimes. For, for every Bathurst that we've been around, that you and yeah. I have been around for, yeah, yeah. Um, there's been a Richards on the grid in some way, shape or form from that family. It's, yeah. And Jim started in 74 of course, Stephen arrived uh, in the 1000 in 95. And then, of course, there was about a decade where they ran uh, both together in the same car, in the same team, uh, and in competing cars across. Finished the- one, two a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. They had that amazing period there where in 97, they finished um, second in the V8 race. In 98, together. Yeah. together. In the 98 two litre race, they were first and second. Uh, in the V8 race a month later, they were first and third. Uh, in 99, Steve won the race and then he was on the podium again in 2000. They had a, an amazing little stint there going, but it's, uh, it's over this year. And I think last year was the first time Jim Richards had not been to the Bathurst Enduro. He watched it uh, on the couch. Uh, this year, obviously, Steve will, will be doing the same. Uh, but he's not over. He might be back next year. He hasn't closed the door on... Uh, a co-drive down the track. It does get harder year on year when you're not racing um, anything else. And he was moving into a relationship role uh, with the sponsors at Team 18 this year. Uh, so I wouldn't count him out. I wouldn't say never that Steve Richards might not do a Bathurst 1000 again. If if you were doing a wild card with a young driver or if you were looking for a nice set of experience... I mean, Steve Owen got a call up this year and I thought he was done for <laughs> Bathurst 1000 racing. He missed last year for the first time in... 20 years, and here he is back with Team Sydney. Um, so I wouldn't count Richo out. I reckon we might start a new streak. And then Clay, Steve's son, he's going to have to pick it up and carry it on from there. You're talking about that wealth of experience that Steve Richards has. You look at the young guys that are coming through, They would he would be a really logical person to pair with anyone that's coming through that wants to tackle the Bathurst 1000 for the first time. Now, and, he's, who, and he's a race winner for the... He's yeah. won half the race of the yeah. past decade as well. Yeah, I mean, he's a five-time winner of, of the race and he's won, of course, twice uh, with Craig Lowndes, uh, one with Mark Winterbottom, one with Jason Bright and one with Greg Murphy as well. So he's, uh, he's sprinkled his magic dust just about everywhere that he's gone. One guy who won't be on the grid this year is Alex Prema, of course, the Frenchman, part of last year's victorious combination with the Shell V-Power racing team. Was due to join Tickford Racing for this year, but unfortunately... 
because of the COVID scenario, travel restrictions, Alex lives in the United States. It'll be the first time in six years that one of the previous year's winners won't be on the, the grid to defend the victory. Of course, Paul Morris was the last one to do that in 2014. He wasn't, uh, well, he's never been back to competing the 1,000. He has competed, of course, in support categories. There's 11 former winners, though, in the race in 2020. Uh, and this week, uh, we covered a little story on our, our website. In fact, last week, uh, Alex Davison, I feel really bad about this. And we'll, we'll get to our car-by-car <laughs> combos very quickly. I'm really sorry, Alex. I will apologise in advance right now if I have put the mocker on you. But Alex has an amazing bit of Bathurst history going. He's 100% for finishing. 15 starts, 15 finishes since he debuted in 2004. He's missed one year when he didn't have a co-drive. I think it was 2016 from memory. Uh, but that is the record for the most starts to have a 100% finishing record in the 1,000, which is just phenomenal. And uh, he gets a crack at uh, making it 16 this year. So what happens if... For argument's sake, the car doesn't start the race this year. He still has a perfect finishing record. If you don't, <laughs> if you don't start... Yeah. Well, I, the other thing is, we, we look through the numbers on this. Chaz Mostert, there's a list of drivers who have done... Uh, who have a 100% finishing record with six starts. And Mostert and Andrew Thompson are on that list. But remember that Chaz missed a race in 2015 because he was, well, being helicoptered to hospital having written off a car... And Andrew Thompson missed out because Paul Weir was at the wheel of their PWR Commodore that crashed at the top of the hill and was crashed into by Chris Pither's Team Kiwi Falcon. So um, they are 100% finishing records, but with an asterisk because there's a, a race that they, they actually missed. Uh, talking to the number 16, it's the final year, the 16th year of us calling this race the super cheap auto Bathurst 1000. It will take a little while to get our head around the new title next year, which of course will be the Repco Bathurst 1000, but a quick chance to uh, dip our lid and say thank you to Super Cheap Auto. We hope they stay in the sport. Of course, they've been a car sponsor with you know heaps of teams over the years. Tickford Racing at the moment, uh, Jack LeBrock getting a win this year and a podium. He's been um, one of the young guns who've made some steps forward this year. So hopefully we see Super Cheap Auto stay in Australian motorsport. They've been with us for what, over 20 years now. So uh, it'd be great to, to keep them involved in, in some form of, of motorsport and preferably on the grid somewhere in the Supercars Championship. Every lap in under a minute. Every move made to matter. Every decision impacting the outcome of the race. Supercars in Perth. Every second matters. Bosch Power Tools Perth Super Sprint, May 17 to 19. Book now at Ticket Tech. Supercars. Unforgettable. Let's get into the field, Will. And at the moment, we're going to run through uh, numerical order is probably the best way to do this. So yes. uh, for those who are... See, normally you'd be listening to this podcast maybe driving to Bathurst, uh, on a road trip, on a plane trip. Uh, but quite often we know from our fans who've got in touch, uh, you'll be listening to this podcast, not on your traditional run to Bathurst, but we want to keep things as traditional as possible. It is our second year of the Bathurst 1000 preview podcast. Therefore, it's a tradition. Agree? Totally. Yeah. Checks uh, well, out. Checks out. <laughs> well, you've just got to do it multiple times and it's a tradition. Yeah. So car number two, uh, Walkinshaw Andretti United. It's Bryce Fullwood who's had a... A great first year with Walkinshaw Andretti United. He's been, of course, on the podium at the bend. Uh, Co-driver is Kurt Kostecki, who is not new to supercars, but he is to 
the Bathurst 1000, although he very nearly made his debut at the last minute last year when his cousin Brody, remember, <laughs> got crook on the warm-up lap uh, and the, the start of the race was delayed. This is a combo. I'm not expecting to be in the top 10 if things go well by the end of the day and they keep their nose out of trouble. That could be the case. But I think a, uh, 10 to 15 is probably a, a good result for these boys. It, as far as the younger combos that we've been talk, that we mentioned off the top of the show, they're probably one of the strongest because, I mean, Kurt has, for a debutant at Bathurst, probably has the most supercar experience of any of the, this year's crop of rookies because he's been driving them since he was, what, 10? So, well, 16, <laughs> technically. Yeah. But, he's been yeah. around a long time, let's that, say. That, and, that's true. And Fallwood, you remember back to last year when he was on his way to winning the Super 2 title and was co-driving in the 1000, he was on fire. He was flying at Bathurst last year. So, and this car as well, the number two car at Walkinshaw Andretti United has had a pretty good run through the last few years at Bathurst. Remember it was on the podium a couple of, for a couple of years in a row with Scott Pine, Warren Luff. And last year they were in the top 10 as well. It wouldn't be a big shock to see this car running inside the top 10 at the end of the day. No, it wouldn't shock me either. I mean, Fullwood was awesome, co-driving for, for Heimgartner in the Nissan last year. And at Sandown, he was really strong too. So they'll be a car to keep an eye on. I reckon they're a good roughie for a, a top 10, but it's a different scenario for Fullwood this year as a lead driver. He's got qualifying duties. He's going to have the bulk of the time in the car and he's got an inexperienced co-driver with him when he himself is still very inexperienced at Bathurst. He's only been there twice in the main game. So you can do all the Super 2 you like, but really... That helps to a point, but you can you can add extra experience on top of that. But it doesn't. I don't think it does really a whole a whole pile for you. But they're in good gear with a team that knows how to get to the podium. They've been on the podium, uh, Walkinshaw and Dreddy United for the last three years in a row because Courtney and Perkins were third last year, and Pye and Luff were on the podium for the previous two. That car is the Scott Pye car uh, from the last two years at Bathurst. So it's a car that knows its way to <laughs> the back of the garages. Car number three, Macaulay Jones in the Cool Drive Commodore sharing with Tim Blanchard. Uh, these two have uh, got a bit of experience, obviously, in the same garage. Blanchard moves from uh, co-driving last year with Nick Perkett. Uh, nine starts at Bathurst for Tim, five for Macaulay, uh, who finished uh, seventh was his best result, actually, Macca, back in uh, 2018. And, and Tim's best is a tenth back in, in 2016. So, uh, again, this is one of those combinations that if they they play their cards right and they can stay out of trouble. They'll be there or thereabouts. But I wouldn't be keeping an eye on these guys to be threatening the scoreboard for, say, the, the top 10 shootout or anything like that. No, I would agree there. But I would say the Mac has done a pretty solid job through the back end of the current season. I mean, you think back to the last two events at the Bend and he snagged top 10 qualifying positions. Yeah, he's getting there. He's definitely yeah. making inroads. It's been a long haul and... Now's the time that he needs to be delivering. There's a bit of a question mark over what happens at BJR and for Blanchard uh, moving into next year. Plenty of chat that Tim's going to take his franchise elsewhere and uh, maybe run a Mustang. So time will tell them what unfolds there. But they are in car three, Macaulay Jones and uh, Tim Blanchard. Car four, also from Brad Jones Racing, is Jack Smith and Jack Perkins. The two Jacks together, which, uh, by the way, is a nice little segue here. It is part of the question uh, for our quiz, which is uh, open for a little while longer. Entries close 11.59pm, Friday, October the 9th. If you haven't entered, uh, rewind back through our last episode and find the uh, podcast quiz because you'll get the questions there. 
jump on our website and you can fill in the answers uh, on the form on the site. And there's $250 gift voucher to our V8 Sleuth uh, online bookshop for the winner, uh, $150 voucher for second and $50 for third. So uh, we love giving away prizes. We love getting everyone involved in a bit of Bathurst history. And this actually forms part of one of the questions with the two jacks. And what was the question along the lines of how many times has there been a car with two jacks in the Bathurst 5000? Words to that effect, yes. Whatever you do here, don't give away the answer. Done. <laughs> uh, <laughs> on, on this scale of experience, Jack Smith is the, the prime. I mean, and you look up and down, there are lots and lots of cars where the co-driver has more experience than the primary driver. And this is one of those. Jack Perkins, third last year with James Courtney, uh, has done a little bit of Super 2 this year with Eggleston. Remember, he ran the two rounds at Adelaide and Sydney Motorsport Park. Eggleston's won't go to Bathurst uh, for Super 2 but elected not to, to run. So he's making his 15th start. Jack Smith is making his second and his first as a, a primary driver. So I reckon there's every chance here that um, clearly Jack Smith is uh, the full-time driver. Uh, his family owned the racing entitlements contract, but they've been very sharp here to pick up Jack Perkins, who brings so much experience now that he can be a really good guy here and if they're in a situation where they need Jack Perkins to run more laps than Jack Smith in the race, because of the way that the strategy plays out, that's not going to be a, a bad thing at all. Whereas there's other cars where you would have it as your big preference to have your main driver in more often than not. Oh, totally. And I think Jack's proven certainly over the last five, 10 years that he's more than just a safe pair of hands. He's a very fast, safe pair of hands. So I think that experience will be quite crucial. Where will they end up at the end of the day? Well, that's Bathurst. Who knows? It's not even worth trying to make predictions, mate. So you may as well save yourself the breath because uh, who knows? It is Bathurst. Car 5, truck assist, Ford Mustang. The little blokes are back together. Lee Holdworth <laughs> and Michael Caruso. It's a question of who is smaller, but one will say the other and the other will say the other. So uh, I'm not fussed either way. You can be the tallest or shortest that you like as long as you drive fast. And these two finished third together back in 2009 with Gary Rogers Motorsport. For Lee, it's his 17th great race for Michael, it's his 15th. This is a good combo. I like this. But what I'm worried about is that Holdsworth's been sliding. His last three or four rounds, while the other Tickford cars were still up there, LeBrock has been improving. Waters has been their point man. Courtney's been finding his way with that car more. Holdsworth's been slipping. His numbers are slipping the wrong way. At all those previous rounds, though, like as we've seen with the, sh with the um, heavily cut down 2020 schedule, if your car's out of the window at the start of the weekend, you're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Because there's just not the practice time. There's just not the, you don't have time to try and work out why it's out or get it right. At Bathurst, you have that time. There's still, there's, there's fractionally more running than there is on a traditional Bathurst 1000 weekend. So I think that will probably help. But again, Tickford has been strong throughout the year. I mean, they're the winners of the most recent race with Cam Waters. Um, if their car is in the window, if their car is strong, this is a very strong combination. There's no reason why those Tickford cars shouldn't be solid. They were competitive last year. Mostert and Waters were running near the front when they had their, their trip up down at the chase. Uh, <laughs> their annual meeting. Yeah, yeah. You've got two guys in this number five car that are really experienced. So uh, Caruso is not trying to outdo Holdsworth. He's at a point of his career in his life where uh, this is an important understanding of all of this not trying to audition for a role. What mm. these guys need to do is try to win the race because that'll be the best audition you can do 
to get the role moving forward rather than trying to prove that you set a couple of purple sectors on lap 74. Like, whoopee-doo, no one's getting carried <laughs> away there. So they're a good combo. Um, let's Tell see. you what, they, there probably won't be too many more popular winners if, the car, if car number five gets up on yeah, that Sunday. That's true. When you look at the list of guys in the race who haven't won the race, there's still some big hitters. Van Gisbergen, Courtney, Coulthard. But I think Lee Holdsworth and Michael Caruso, that would be a very generally popular victory if those two could pull off a victory. A very loose podium celebration too, I'm guessing. <laughs> but I think for me, car six is the Tickford pick of the bunch. Um, it is for obvious reasons. Cam Waters, Will Davison. Cam's coming off the win at the bend. He's been the, the best performed Tickford car all year. He's, he's third in the points, isn't he, coming into Bathurst. So he's on target for his best ever championship result. Will Davison... Lots has been said and written. Lost his ride at the start of the year. Slides into a, a seat in one of the other Tickford cars from the one that he was driving. Uh, two-time winner, a 17th start at Bathurst. It's Cam's eighth race, but it's his ninth time there because, of course, he missed with Chaz Mostert a few years ago when Chazzy ended up in the fence in qualifying. But uh, this, this, for me, is the Tickford car that can really challenge. I think they've all got some serious capability, but if you had to pick one, this is the obvious one. Oh, totally. This is the car that's got two absolute Class A... You could put Davo as the main driver in that car and still yeah. be talking about the same thing. Yeah. And he's, as he showed in Adelaide in his one event this year, he's, obvi- he's lost nothing. He's still at the top of his game. And he's got unfinished business in the number six Tickford car because, I mean, that was the car that he raced for that team back in 2011, 2012, 2013. Was on pole for Bathurst in 2012 and it didn't quite work out for him. Uh, this is definitely a combination that should rightfully be contenders for the victory and yeah, contenders for pole for that matter. Yeah, I, I'm not quite sure they've got the out-and-out outright speed to launch a mission for pole, but uh, it doesn't matter. You, you don't need hmm. it. It's not the end of the day. At the end of the day, if you're in the top three or four on the grid with a clean car and those two um, as you drive a lineup, it doesn't matter who starts. It doesn't matter who finishes. It doesn't matter how the strategy plays out during the day. Those teams who get caught constantly looking at the when can I pluck my co-driver out as early as possible to get my main guy in because my co-driver is not strong enough to go with the pack that's racing for the lead. Uh, if you're in a position where you're not even thinking about that, which Sam Potter, the engineer on this car, won't have to think about that this year, uh, perfect scenario. And there's a bunch of cars like that in the field who don't have that as a problem that they have to worry about during the day. Well, you think of the last few years... Certainly back to 2018, 2017 was a weather-disrupted race, but they've been tr- most of the top teams are triple-stinning their main driver at the end of the race. So they're hopping in for the last, what, basically two hours, two to three hours. They don't have to do that for car six. You could easily have Will Davison, you could easily drop a much fresher Cam Waters up against any other driver that is triple-stinning to the end. That's a yeah. very handy advantage to have. It's no guarantee to anything, but it is much handier to be in that position to be able to play that card than not. So they are very much a factor. Don't forget that uh, Tickford Racing in their days as Ford Performance Racing have won this race before, but it's been quite some time, 2013 and 2014, between drinks for them. Car 7, Andre Heimgartner joined by Dylan O'Keefe in the Ned Whiskey Kelly Racing Mustang. Of course, uh, Andre is coming up for his seventh Bathurst 1000 starts. Never finished better than ninth. Last year was well on target to go better than that, but ended up in the fence at Forest Elbow with a couple of laps to go. Dylan O'Keefe has only ever made one main game start, and it was last-minute Gold Coast 600 
with GRM last year, but he has been to the mountain before in Super 2, the 12-hour, uh, Porsche Carrera Cup. So he's got plenty of laps around there, but this is a different step up, particularly when you've been out of the seat all the year. Although he has done a, a World Touring Car, a World TCR round um, overseas in a Renault, and he got a little taste at Albert Park before things got shut down. But uh, it, it, he's going to be up against it. This is a, a tough scenario, but he's, he's a good kid with good talent. So he, he deserves his opportunity. But the thing that sticks out for me is this is a history-making car. And the look on your face says it all. Sorry, I didn't realise you were throwing to. No, um, no. Well, the history-making car is that this is the first car that I can recall ever in history that has raced two Bathurst 1000s as different types of cars. Not it was just- a- it not just a, different models. We're not talking like VR brands. to VS Commodore. Yeah, brands. completely different cars. So it was a Nissan Altima last year for Gary Jacobson and Dean Fiore and the year before that for Caruso and Fiore. So it's becoming a Mustang GT this year. Of course, the engine gets lifted out. The uh, panels are changed. The uh, various bracketry gets changed to fit the OEM um, elements to the car. So apart from maybe a, a Gemini being rebadged from an Isuzu to a Holden back in the day, uh, which, which was still a, a Gemini it, underneath. It's still a Gemini underneath. Yeah. Uh, and I know a lot of our listeners will jump up and down and go, ah, oh, but hang on, Erebus converted a Falcon into a Mercedes. But Stone Brothers never built, uh, sorry, never raced that Falcon. It was only built and briefly tested before, of course, they sold uh, out to Erebus and that car later was reborn as a Mercedes and did race at Bathurst with Jack LeBrock and Ash Walsh. But uh, yeah, interesting scenario for that Ned Whiskey Mustang. Look, Andre just keeps on delivering. I mean, remember that he got that chance driving with Tim Slade a few years ago when Ash Walsh was injured in a, in an accident down at Phillip Island. And he really took it with both hands because they got a podium on the Gold Coast. They were top 10 at Bathurst, even after poor Tim got cooked with no cool suit and that late in the race. He got a pole this year. He's had some podiums with, with Kelly's. Uh, I, you know, if they can, like Kelly's have not been competitive at Bathurst basically for 10 years. This is their chance. Oh, totally. And you think of the years that they've had there with the Altima, where the Altima was never a competitive prospect at Bathurst at any point, unfortunately. Uh, did jag a podium in that crazy 2014 race, but not on outright speed. Uh, it's interesting that O'Keefe probably has the most recent race miles of any of the co-drivers in this field because of his little excursion into Europe. And that could, that certainly won't hurt him. I don't think it'll make a difference though. He's up against it. This is going to be really, really hard. You know, he, he's had one year of super two. He's got to be going up against some big dogs here. So he's going to know he's going to be in a fight here. So this will be a car that has Andre in the in the car for the final three stints, I would assume. Yeah, you would say so. But, I mean, the way that uh, – and this is where I look at it and you look at the season and this is what's been good to not be at the races and to sit back and watch it all, obviously on television, but to take it all in. And the odd times on the radio that we do hear a bit more of Dylan Talabani. I really like Dylan's form with Andre. Not that Andre's a – Andre's not a hothead or, a you know, a ranter or a raver as far as we hear anyway. It's not his – DNA. It's not in his makeup. It's not that style of guy. But Talibani's a good engineer, I reckon, to have for Dylan O'Keefe to roll in there, who himself is a very measured, calm, quiet kind of a guy. So it's the right approach to have in this scenario. The last thing you want is a, um, a kid who's going to roll in with all the swagger in the world and a bunch of trophies under his arm from a bunch of recent categories and think that he's actually going to really 
turn up and deliver here. I mean, delivering for Dylan O'Keefe in this scenario is to just keep a straight nose, don't get in the fights and hand the car back. That's all he's got to do. Totally, totally. And he's more than capable of doing that. Car eight, this is capable. I reckon this is the best chance Brad Jones Racing have had on outright real speed for a while. Nick Perkat, it's his 10th Bathurst. Time wow, flies. that's gone fast, yeah. Time flies when you're having fun. Of course, the winner in 2011 alongside Garth Tander. Three visits to the podium for him. Last time was with Cam McConville and Lucas Dumbrell's team in 2016. Tom Randall is his co-driver, just his second 1,000. Of course, the winner of last year's Bathurst 250. He wasn't first across the line, but Bryce Forward was a little too fast through the yellow flag areas and had that win taken away from him. So uh, Tom, of course, is up front in the Dunlop Super 2 Series. He'll be on double duty there in, uh, at Bathurst with Matthew White's Nissan. Podium at Sandown last year alongside Lee Holdsworth. Strong runs in Super 2 so far this year. Really like this combo. I like where BJR's been going. They've been there or thereabouts at Bathurst in recent years, but not quite at the point where they've got that last punch to be able to punch it for the last 30 laps. But I, I would believe more this year than in the last five years. Oh, totally. You look at the season they've had to date, it's easily their best season since those since the days of when it was Fabs and Bright in the car. Like, they've had poles. They've won races. This, Like you say, this is a very strong com- combination. And there's a, there's a nice little stat here that I dug up today. Mm-hmm. Um, 11 Bathursts have been won by drivers at the age of 32, and that's more than at any other age. Guess who's 32? Oh, let me guess. Uh, Nick Perkett. Correct. He's the only 32-year-old in this year's race. Oh, so well. He's got that go. going for him. Go and put the house on it. Off you go. <laughs> I don't have a house to put on things. Put someone else's house on it. Just yeah. not mine. Just not mine. <laughs> I, I need mine. Uh, so there are, there are a chance. I, I, I'd be amazed if Perkett's not in the shootout, to be honest with you. That, that's, a, that's a quick car, the R&J Batteries Commodore, car number eight. And I tell you what, as we talked about before, Holdsworth and Caruso, that, you know, that would be a good win. Oh, Brad Jones Racing winning that race finally after, yeah. you know, Brad's had a go at it 20-something times as a driver, a whole bunch now as a team owner since he stepped out of driving in uh, the Enduros basically 10 years ago. Um, Everything Tom's gone through in the past 12 months as well. Yeah, there's been plenty going on and I don't think anyone would begrudge BJR getting up for a win with that number eight and uh, the famous number eight with that JR star on the side too can't hurt as well. We'll get back to the podcast in just a moment, but I wanted to quickly tell you about our good friends at Timken, a world leader in engineered bearings and mechanical power transmission products and services. Now, you might know their name and you might recognise their logo, but did you know that Timken bearings are used in the centrepiece of one of the most stunning stadiums in the world of sport? The $2 billion, yes, billion dollar Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta features a retractable roof that is a work of incredible engineering. It features eight triangular roof panels, or petals as the designers call them, that slide open and close in the same way that a camera shutter does. Each petal weighs almost 500 metric tonnes and when the roof is closed, each petal cantilevers over 60 metres from the outer edge of the stadium. Now despite the weight, the size and the complexity of the design, the roof can be closed in just over seven minutes and opened in just over eight, with Timken's tapered roller bearings used to ensure each petal moves smoothly. 
The stadium's home to the Atlanta Falcons NFL team and the Atlanta United Major League Soccer team. And in 2019, it hosted the crown jewel of American football, the Super Bowl. We'll bring you more cool facts about Timkin in each episode of the V8 Sleuth podcast through the course of the year. Now, it's back to the podcast. Car 9, I don't know where to go with this. Dave Reynolds and Will Brown, if you'd asked me at the start of the year, I would have had them in my potential winners list. Right now, I really can't see where Reynolds and Erebus are at because they do not look happy with one another. The relationship does not look happy. There's murmurs around the industry that it's just not a happy place to be at the moment. And you can't roll into the biggest race of the year with that stuff rolling around in the background. You, you just can't and expect to go there and execute well. Uh, on paper, Reynolds and Brown's a great combo, great guys, fast guys. I think they'll still be in the mix. But I just worry about the vibe of what's going on at Erebus and what we're hearing and seeing. The one thing that's positive that Dave will get back for Bathurst that he hasn't had since Adelaide is Al McVeigh. Yeah, that's huge. That's the um, bit of the yeah. puzzle that he's missing. Uh, he said it on our podcast, start of the year. He's a confidence guy. He likes to be happy. And, and that's no disrespect to the guys on the crew who've been working with him in Al's absence. But It's Al's a chemistry thing. Al's he and Al guy. just have it. Al's his guy. Yeah. Um, Al brings so much experience from his days at Walken Shores. Uh, and, and he and Dave get along as a combination really well. So maybe that's the piece of the puzzle that you click back in a place and things start to flow again. But you can see on television, you can see in interviews that, that Dave looks genuinely lost with what the car's doing, where the team's at. I, I really am... The great thing is about Bathurst, you can have a pretty rough year, but then still sting a result at Bathurst and... Um, and still have that capability. But I get the feeling as the years gone on, the power shifted and Anton's become more of the, the, the deliverer of results. And Dave's been more in the, I mean, he's still never uh, qualified in the top 10 ever at the bend. He's been in the teens every time. He just could not get his head in the gear at that place. So I, I worry a little bit here, but it wouldn't surprise me if they go and run at the front and are, and are challenging. Will Brown is, they're kindred spirits, these two crazy folks. <laughs> he's kind of the mini Dave Reynolds. He's, uh, he's a different cat. He calls it like he sees it. He's laconic. He's fun, but he's fast. And that's, that's the stuff. So if those two can go off and make a nice, comfortable car, Al's back on the scene. Look, I still think they can be in the mix, but um, all doesn't seem totally as it was a couple of years ago at Erebus, um, just from what I can see on the outside and, and hearing some things around the paddock. It, it doesn't look like it's the the, the happy place that it, it once was, and um, we'll wait and see. It, they, the ingredients are there, though, as, as we've said. To get Dave in the best possible mindset, Will Brown would would be the obvious person to help assist with that. Having at, like It must be a country town thing, Dave being from Albury, Will Brown being from Toowoomba. They yeah, well yeah it's, a, it's a thing. It's a thing. Um, Having Al McVeigh there will add to his confidence. And he's fast. He's always been fast around Bathurst. He was quick there in the Tickford cars. Obviously, he's been quick there with Erebus. We'll see. He'll also have, if the car's, again, if the car's not right, same as we were saying with Holdsworth and Caruso, if the car's not right on 
Thursday, you've got time to figure it out and chase the racetrack. It's not ideal, but you have time to try and get it back in the window. And he's got a good guy to help him figure out the racetrack. Don't forget that Dave was on pole in 15, on pole in 18, and qualified on the front row in 17, the year that he and Luke Yulden uh, won the race. Of course, this is the first year. No Luke Yulden on the grid for the Bathurst 1000 in 20 years. The last time we were Lukeless was 1999. So um, uh, he'll be on the couch, I presume, on the Gold Coast with the family watching on. This year, so there are a few guys. Himself, Steve Richards, Ash Walsh is another one who have been part of the the Bathurst One Thousand field for many years and and won't be there this year. Um, old combo back together: Car Twelve, Fabian Coulthard and Tony Delberto in the Shell V Power Racing Team Mustang. Uh, podium finishes in twenty seventeen, ninth in twenty eighteen together, and of course, infamously uh, relegated to twenty first last year. Um, for so many years, and I saw this again the other day, and it reminded me. The big rollover was the thing that always was connected to Fabian Coulthard and Bathurst. But last year's race has, I think, removed that now. And that's the label that he'll be stuck with now for the rest of his career. Whose fault it was, who ordered it, how it all happens irrelevant forever. As Rick Kelly is with Phillip Island 06, uh, Fabian will be connected to Debris Debris and the goings on in last year's race forever. But he can win in 2020. As much as the McLaughlin fact is a huge thing and everyone's getting wrapped up in Scott winning the championship and going for two Bathursts, um, Fabian's driving for his career here. There's, there's no doubt. Is he going to be out of that team at the end of the year? Is he looking for another chair? Like He's got the best possible scenario. He's coming off good speed at the bend. He's, he said he's found something with that car with he and Mark Fenning, and it's on the result sheet. It's not just in their heads because it's translating now. Delberto is rated highly at Team Penske. He's rated really highly. His performance as a co-driver for the last three years has been exceptional. Now, I reckon, I reckon that these guys can't be counted out and put in that second tier. They're top tier contenders to win the race this year. Totally agreed. And as we've said, there's no championship on the line. The only championship that's on the line is the team's battle. And the best way for DJR Team Penske to seal that is to have their cars at the front of the field regardless of which one it is. And as they've proven in the past, this is a very, very strong combination and they're coming good and Fabs is coming good at the right time. Would it, it would probably amaze some of our listeners that Fabian's never qualified in the top three at Bathurst. His best qualifying is fourth in 2016, the first year that he was with DJ Tim Penske. Seventh, 15th, 16th in the last few years. But remember uh, that qualifying last year was in the wet. So it was a bit of a lottery draw as to who was we're on the track finishing off their lap. But I think car 12 is, is right in that mix of four or five or six cars that are genuine uh, race-winning contenders. And I just really rate Tony Delberto's work in, in recent years. And I know he's highly regarded uh, inside at the top levels of, of team management there. Car 14, Brad Jones Racing. Todd Hazelwood uh, gets a, a big opportunity to go to the mountain this year with a, a team that's not a, a single-car little team as a main driver. He's got a rookie co-driver in Jordan Boyce uh, who's making his Bathurst 1000 debut, but it's been there a few times now in Super 2 and has proven to be more than capable in recent years. He did some winning late last year um, for Terry Wyhoon's team, Image Racing, with a a bit of Erebus connection and equipment uh, flowing into the mix there. Uh, I reckon these guys could surprise a few people. They're probably not going to factor in the the big-name combos that everybody's going to talk about in the lead-up to this race, but... Hazelwood's had a nice year and there's been times where he's had a fast car, but the result's not there, but he's had a fast car more often than not. 
even if the results haven't flowed. Totally, totally agree. And I'm looking. I'm really looking forward to Jordan Boys making his Supercars debut. He's a good, good young talent, and he'll be. He's got the right environment around him. That, as we talked about with Dylan O'Keefe and um, Dylan Talabani, he's in a good environment where they're not. They're not going to put too much pressure on him. They're just going to bring him in gently and make sure and sort of temper his expectations and work him up to the level they want. And he's good enough that he should do a good job. Yeah, looking forward to it. I think it's really great that we're seeing some of these Super 2 kids who've done it for a few years now getting that opportunity as a co-driver in the 1000 race. A couple of blokes with plenty of experience in car 15. We'll keep whizzing <laughs> through them. Rick Kelly, uh, he's been there so many times now. He's lining up for, what's he up to? Bathurst start number 20 this year. He um, his hair's been there for all 20 of them as well, and it's looking as good as ever. Uh, Dale Wood, boy. Dale Wood, seriously, I need to go in quarantine for two weeks if I have a rig like Dale Woods that we've been seeing <laughs> in the last couple of weeks in quarantine. Man, that, that dude is ripped right now. If being ripped guarantees Bathurst 1000s, he's a five-time winner. It's something I didn't expect to hear on a podcast, but you're absolutely spot on. And if you haven't seen it, check it out on Instagram. He is looking in phenomenal it's, shape. It's not a six pack. It's seriously a 10 pack. It's, uh, it's a carton. It's not in a bad way. Yeah, no, it's not in the yeah. carton that I'm carrying. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> but heaps of experience here. Todd Kelly, 20th Bathurst. Dale Wood, 13th Bathurst. Remember he drove with Tasman Motorsport in their second car when he first turned up back in 2008. He was fourth with Erebus just in 2017 with Chris Pither. But Rick Kelly and Bathurst have not been blending in recent years. You go back to when he finished runner-up in that close fight with uh, Lowndes in 06. Listen to the results since then. DNF, 20th, 8th, 16th, 22nd, 15th, 19th, 8th, 16th, DNF, 13th, 11th, 8th. They haven't been anything to write home about. A couple of years there in good Clayton gear, a couple of years in Kelly racing Commodores that were very competitive. I mean... He and Todd were second at the final restart in 09 and they got their ears boxed and shuffled back. And I think they had some wing damage on that car as well. A bit of wing damage. The back a of the lot car of wing, stove a, in. A lot of wing damage. <laughs> the uh, thing was a jet in a straight line because the, the damage had folded the wing back and it was basically flat. Yeah, so it was, it was good down the straights, but not so good around the corners. No. But point being that his results in recent times uh, in the Kelly Racing era of his Bathurst career have been a struggle but now in a Mustang, if they can nail some setup and they can be there or thereabouts, he's got a better package to go there with than the Nissan that they always seem to. I mean, in the whole time he was running the Nissan, he never qualified in the shootout at Bathurst. And this was a guy who, when he was at Kmart and HSV and he was on qualifying duty, he was putting... I mean, he hasn't been in a shootout at Bathurst. Uh, obviously, his co-drivers drove a couple of the years when he was in a car that was good enough. 2006 is the last time that Rick Kelly was ever in the shootout at Bathurst. It's amazing. Wow, that's incredible. The other, and I guess the, the qualifying struggle highlights the dramas they had with the Altima at Bathurst over those years. Like if you have a car that's not quick in a straight line, you can't pass. And if you're starting down the back of the field and you can't pass, that is a terrible hand to be trying to play. Yeah, yeah. Long day, long, long day. Uh, car 17, it's the car that so many people are looking for, the champ elect Scott McLaughlin, in what would appear to be his final Bathurst 1000 and Bathurst um, being the last round of the championship this year for the first time since well, 2000, the last time it was the last uh, points round of a season. 
it would appear to me that this is the last time we see Scott McLaughlin in a supercar. Big call or not big call? It's a big call, I reckon. I've seen, heard, a lot of, heard a lot of talk and seen a lot of stuff written about this. It's not a done deal that he's going. So Just, just because they haven't said it's a done deal doesn't mean it's not a done deal. No. Why, why, why would he be sitting up watching every IndyCar race with the spotter um, audio through, all the timing, getting up at 4am of the morning for every single race? I know he's doing one at the end of this year, but... If you're going to do one, you're going to go in and do that one as best as you can, regardless of what's going to happen in the immediate aftermath of that. I, I still think he's going to be there. I still think he'll be there. They haven't made a commitment publicly on what's going on with the Australian-based operation yet. Mm. That's, that, for me, is the sign. I mean, this is just personal opinion. I, I don't have a, an inside word or a, we haven't, you know, you know, threatened Ryan's story and held him down and punched him up to get him to tell us what's going on or not going on. <laughs> This is just my take, but I, if this is the last time that Scott McLaughlin is behind the wheel of a supercar, I hope people appreciate it because um, what he's done in the last couple of years, forget what side of the fence you're on or which brand you support or which driver's your favourite. We've just seen a little period of three, four years that I don't, you know, we see these glory eras and they don't last forever. Mark Scaife had it. Marcus Ambrose had one that flowed. Jamie Winkup had it flowing for probably longer than anyone who's had flow ever in success. Brock had it. Moffat had it. Dick Johnson had it. They don't last forever. And this might just be, maybe, the end of this McLaughlin run, which when we look back on it, we'll all say, wow, we got to see that guy at the peak of his powers. I mean, the numbers say it all, but the reality is we've seen an amazing little chapter of the sport here if this is... In fact, the end, and I don't reckon he's done. I reckon he's got another Bathurst in him here, and he's probably upgraded with all due respect in co-drivers because Alex Prem has done a couple of things in the last few years that have got me very nervous a couple of times running off at the chase and a few other things in scraps that he didn't have to get into. Uh, I don't feel like Tim Slade's that sort of driver who's going to perhaps do that sort of stuff quite as much. We're talking about drivers not auditioning for roles. If if Scott is going and if Fabs is no certainty to stay, where does that put Tim Slade and what he could potentially do at Bathurst for his, for 2021 for him? He would have to be under consideration if there's a seat going or two seats going. But the best thing to do, the best way to audition is to do the best job for the team on that weekend. And that is be the co-driver, do what's required, follow instruction and get a result. When you've That's, got a guy, that, when you've got a guy who can potentially roll out a two hundred two if the conditions are right, yeah. in the yeah. other chair. Did, did you just predict that a two hundred two for this year? Who could potentially do a two hundred two if the conditions are right? I'm pretty sure is what I just said. Oh, what get said. off the fence! Get off the fence! If you're gonna go, go. Uh, Slade we did a two hundred three last year, and it rained on Friday. So yeah, true. Anything's possible. Uh, yeah. Slade's never finished better than sixth at Bathurst. Uh, better than seventh, I should say. He's had three. Seventh place finishes, and of course, he's really keen to erase last year where he crashed on the first lap running uh, around the outside there of Scotty Pye uh, on the exit of the shelf just near the cutting. So He's had some bad luck at the mountain as well. We talked about him getting cooked cooked in the 2017 race, and don't forget he was in the thick of the fight early in the 2016 race before that disastrous pit stop and the brake dramas. And that's the one that they fought back, what, a lap or lap and a half, two laps to get themselves back in the mix. And I think they finished seventh. So mm. um, 
definitely capable, definitely a contender. Let's keep running through them. Car 18, Mark Winterbottom has James Golding with him in the Irwin Commodore from Team 18. Uh, Winterbottom's had a pretty solid sort of a season. His Bathurst record, of course, he's a former winner, runner-up in 2015, uh, sixth last year with Steve Richards in his first trip to the mountain in a Commodore, uh, another year under his belt. I think he's definitely a bloke I'd pencil in for the shootout. I think it's a fair call. The, the Team 18 cars have been a bit up and down in the last couple of rounds, but they've been a lot closer to the fight than they have been in recent years. So every every possible chance we could see one or both of those cars in the top 10. James Golding is an underrated co-driver selection for me. Everyone's getting lost in Davison and Tander and Lowndes and the, the big heavy hitters. His performances at Bathurst the last two years have gone under the radar Eighth with Richard Musket in 2018, 11th with Musket last year. Those GRM cars were not outright pace top 10 cars in those couple of years. So I think he can be a, a guy who springs a surprise. Everyone's forgotten him. Of course, he's been full-time before in the main championship uh, at GRM. Their departure from full-time uh, supercar racing has meant he's uh, sort of slipped off the supercar radar. But I reckon he will remind some people of what he can do when he wheels out in Car 18 on October 18. Car 19? Just, just quickly, if yeah. you look back to the 2018 race, Golding would have been in the shootout. He had an airbox yeah. fire on his fastest lap and it cost him enough time that he ended up finishing outside the 10 and qualifying. That's right. Would have been a shootout contender. Yeah, it was 12th. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Forgot about that. Uh, Alex Davison and Jonathan Webb, car 19 for Team Sydney. Of course, we touched on Alex early with his amazing 100% Finishing record, his best finish is a fourth with Brother Will in the Erebus Merc back in 2014. Jonathan Webb, he's been a winner up there, remember, with Will Davison in 2016. Uh, the last few years, though, the results have been nothing special from this team. 14th, 15th and 17th for Jono sharing with Will Davison one year and Jack LeBrock for the other two. They look like they've made a little bit of headway in the last few rounds. Uh, I know that they missed a race uh, without that spare engine for Alex in recent times, but... Um, they seem to be just starting to tick away. They were constantly in the 20s uh, in the first part of the season, but they've been popping up in the teens a little bit more. So plenty of experience between those two, there's no doubt. Car 20, Scott Pye and Dean Fiore in the number 20. Uh, I was going to say the Team 18 number 20, and then I just got the numbers all confused. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Pye, of course, runner-up in 17 and 18 with Warren Luff and with Walkinshaws. Uh, fifth in 2016 with Alberto, seventh with Luff last year. So he's a guy who is always there or thereabouts at Bathurst, and he's doing it from nowhere on the grid. 20th in 2017 to second, 18th in 2018 to second, and 14th to seventh last year. So uh, it doesn't matter where this guy qualifies. He finds a way to get in that fight by the, the, the 15 laps or so to go, Mark. Absolutely. And again, having said before about Team 18's form, if they're in, if their car rolls off the transporter and is in pretty good shape, you're going to look at these guys as outside contenders, as contenders for the podium, if not potential race winners. We've seen Scott Pye do a very good job with his late tyre pace at some of these other tracks where he's pitted late and his tyres have held together really well. So mm. uh, Bathurst tends to be a bit different to a lot of those places that we've been previously in terms of, of setup. But, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I wouldn't be shocked if both of those Team 18 cars are, are up there fighting for it. Uh, car 22, the Coke uh, Team Sydney car with Chris Pither at the helm. Uh, just the second time he's ever gone to Bathurst as the primary driver. Only other time was 
2016 with Super Black and Richie Stanaway. Fourth with Dale Wood in 2017 for Erebus. Twelfth last year with Richie Stanaway for GRM. Steve Owen, I had him in my retired from the Bathurst 1000 driver um, list, but I've had to dust him off and put him back in the spreadsheet because he's back. And when you think about it, makes total sense. He's Queensland-based, so in terms of access and quarantine, not required. Um, lots of experience. He's done every Bathurst from 99 to 2018. Runner-up there twice with Jamie Winkup and with Mark Winterbottom. He's, he's out of the saddle for a while, but he doesn't need to go and set the lap record or put the car in the shootout. Uh, he'll know his role, and he's probably the most lack of ego driver I've ever come across in the sport <laughs> anywhere. He's the guy who's just so happy being plain James Steve Owen that no one talks about, says anything about, or would even notice standing in the room sometimes he's that quiet. Well, that's it. He's just the, the nicest, most easygoing guy. You wouldn't know he was a race car driver. We should get him on the podcast because I probably will have to screw his arm a little bit to get him to do it. But uh, he's been in so many cars and so many teams and done so much. But we done, don't know, and done a top 10 shootout at Bathurst. Uh, yes, but we, we don't know much about him. No. He's the sort of guy that if you said, give me all the facts you know about Steve Owen that aren't related to his racing career... What do we know? Him, apparently. We, we, we don't... Oh, does he? Uh, yeah. How, how do you know this? Oh, I don't remember. I heard that a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, great. So you're throwing Steve, Steve let us know. Let you're you're throwing around right. alcohol aspersions without even having the, the source reference material. That's not, a That's not an aspersion. <laughs> what if he's a beer drinker? Connoisseur. What if he's a beer drinker? He'll take it with great offence. Uh, <laughs> let's move on. 25, Chaz Bost at Warren Luff. I like the sound of this. Warren Luff is the dude of co-drivers. And I don't mean the, the Paul Morris of co-drivers. I mean, he's the man. Like, where he goes, stuff happens. Like, look at the list of this. 2012, third with Lowndes. 2013, third with Lowndes. 2014, non-start. Brake issue, HRT car, upside Got down. Got hit by Lowndes. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, other way around. Or hit Lowndes, sorry. Yeah, hit Lowndes. Incorrected, yes. Um, 15, third with Tanda. 16, DNF with Tanda, but in the fight before that accident with McLaughlin and Winkup. Second mm. in 17 with Pi, second with Pi in 18, seventh with Pi last year. So he's been on the podium in, what, five of his last seven starts at Bathurst. It's stunning. And he's worked his way up the list, though, by doing that. To be second on the list, well, behind Brad Jones and Cam McConville, who hold the joint record for most Bathurst 1,000 podiums without a win. But I, I reckon he's the perfect guy to have with Chaz Mostert. This is a good combo. Absolutely. Like he, he's, he's been a gun Enduro Cup driver since the inauguration of the Enduro Cup. In fact, he had the best results of any driver at one point a couple of years ago, regardless of co-driver or main driver across the entire history of the Enduro Cup. <laughs> um, very safe, very fast pair of hands. He did... A, you remember, I think it was, was it the 2017 race? He started against yeah, all the main the drivers in the wet. Yep. Did a stellar job. He's, he's definitely someone you would want alongside you if you were chasing a Bathurst win. Knows the team. He's been with the team for how long now? Uh, since 2014. Yeah. And, and this was the guy that Triple Eight kind of flicked. So mm. um, has found a happy home at Walkinshaw's ever since. And the last few years, he's done bugger all racing outside of supercars and has still been able to maintain the level of performance and getting a deal for the next year, which is the ultimate sign of uh, showing that you've been doing the job. So 
I like that combo. I like where that team's been going. Uh, I reckon they're a chance because Walkinshaw's just team, seem to find a way to have cars that might not be great during the year or stunningly great, but uh, at Bathurst, they're, they're always there or thereabouts. 34, uh, we'll race through the... We didn't, even, we didn't even mention Chaz. He's a gun around. Well, well it, goes, it, it goes yeah. without saying. Uh, it goes without saying, but he's got to get his head back in a gear after his efforts last year where he uh, wiped out Tickford's chances in one foul swoop down there at, at the chase. Of course, uh, he, a lot of people think he didn't finish last year because they remember him going off in the sand because he was there for a while. He got going again and he finished 15th. But He got uh, the lap record. <laughs> he, got, he got the lap record. And don't forget, although he didn't start on the pole last year, he is the official pole sitter for last year's 2019 race. He's credited with that pole. The because, pole award winner. Yeah, he got the prize money, he got the check, and he got the, uh, the spot in the record book too because McLaughlin was later. excluded. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. A month bit, later. A bit yeah. later than that. Yeah, exactly. Car 34, Matt Stone Racing, Jake Kostecki, Zane Goddard. They've been sharing all year. Uh, Jake's second Bathurst 1000 Zane is one of the debutants. 35 the other Matt Stone car is Gary Jacobson who was 19th last year with Dean Fiore uh, Dave Russell makes a return like Steve Owen missed last year's race but is back in the chair uh, co-driving this year and he's got plenty of experience um, eighth is his best result with Rick Kelly back in 2014 so he's a guy who will be good for Gary Jacobson because he's been there and he's done it and He's been in some good teams over the years as well. James Courtney, 44 in a Ford at Bathurst for the first time in 10 years, uh, teaming up with Brock Feeney, who is having his birthday on race day. And uh, this, is, this is just weird. Courtney at Bathurst in a car that's not run by Walkinshaws. It's been a long time since we've seen that. It's got the same livery as his last couple of, as a couple of Walkinshaw cars he raced relatively recently, though, in the Boost Mobile colours. True. Um, first time in a Ford at Bathurst since 2010. Um, doesn't have to worry about the title like he did that time. We know the Tickford cars have been quite strong. James himself has ha- been sort of up and down, but again, been strong at the right end of the year. This is another car where you think a podium's definitely within reach, and if everything went right, you wouldn't feel silly tipping this car as a potential winner. I wouldn't have them in the list of winners. I wouldn't tip them for a win. I could find some... If I'd everything find- went right. Yeah, but you could say that about every car, Will, if everything mm-hmm. went right. But Oh, I intend to. If I had some money to throw somewhere, I'd probably find a bit of better value in a few others. But I wouldn't put it past Courtney for a cheeky podium mm. because he's he's pulled a few of those out over the years. Bathurst hasn't been... He's been there or thereabouts, like a top 10 sort of a runner. I mean, but you go back through from the third place last year, engine failure in 18, out of the race, uh, 17 DNF with Jack Perkins. 13th in 16, didn't start in 15, remember, because of that um, accident with a helicopter at Sydney, so he didn't drive that year. 14 with Murphy, they were 13th with some electrical issues, and 13, Murph crashed and they were out. So he hasn't had a really good run apart from last year for quite some time, so I think he's due for a bit of a, a change of luck. Now, I'm going to make a call here. Car 55, Super Cheap Auto, uh, Jack LeBrock, James Moffat Mustang. I reckon LeBrock will bang it in the shootout, yes or no? No, I think that's fair. He's shown that he's been bloody quick of late and pretty good at one laps. So, yeah, I think that's totally fair. Yeah, I thought you were going to argue me on this, but... No, uh, I, think you're actually, I actually think you're absolutely spot on. Well, he's never qualified better than 25th. He's only qualified the last two years there uh, since it was at Techno and, and he was always uh, down the back of the field. But everyone forgets he finished fourth with Cam Waters in 16 
mm. in the Monster Falcons. So, and James Moffat's a good steady pair of hands for him now. I mean, Moff's no uh, rookie newcomer anymore. He's re- very experienced. He's done 10 Bathurst 1000s now, the runner-up with Taz Douglas back in that crazy finish in 2014. He's been with Chaz Mostert for the last couple of years, so he is the constant in the number 55 car. Uh, for super cheap auto and, and ticket racing. Shane Van Gisbergen, still winless in the great race. He's got Garth Tander back with him in the 97 car. Of course, for Shane, runner-up last year uh, with Garth, runner-up with Alex Premer in 2016. Pulsiter in 2014 with Techno. Um, has had a fair few goes at this race. Has not got it done yet. Interesting point. Everyone describes probably Glenn Seaton as the best driver never to win the Bathurst 1000. Ambrose is in that conversation for sure. Brad Jones as well. For me, there's two guys in this field who are looking at getting in that list, and it's Van Gisbergen and Courtney. Absolutely. I mean, it's crazy to think how long Shane's been around now. It's, this is what, start number 14 in the great race for him? Uh, yeah, debuted in 07 as a what, 17-year-old or 18 or whatever he was at that stage. He was young. Very young Shane yes. debuted in that race. He's, he's, we know how good he is. But this place, Mount Panorama, doesn't care how good you are. He, this is probably his best chance of a lot of good chances to win this race. They've, they've clearly exercised whatever that demon was that was in car 97 that he had trouble with during the middle of the year. It won't be his last chance, but this represent, you can't let too many good chances go to waste. No, and I don't, I don't think he's he's wasted too many of them. Um, no. His numbers are great. He's been in the shootout every year since 2011 when he was with Stone Brothers. So he's always in the mix. He's always getting himself in the right spot on the grid To He's not buried in the pack with a qualifying stuff up or, or anything like that. I mean, his last few years, second, fifth, fifth, second, eighth. So, But this is the first time he's had the same co-driver year on year since he's been with Triple Eight. So, and his Garth co-driver's Tander, a machine. Yeah, yeah his co-driver's a yeah. gun. I mean, <laughs> Garth Tander is every inch a main game driver still. You'd bolt him back in as a main game driver any day of the week in a good car, and he would still punch out the sort of performances that we've come to expect from, from GT over the years. So heaps of experience there. They are in my list of the five or six contenders, absolutely. Yep. Not, 99 is in my second group. Anton Di Pasquale, Brody Kostecki. I've got them above Reynolds and Brown. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like Anton's form is coming on strong at the right time of year. He's been to Bathurst a couple of times now. He's been bitten by it a couple of times. Um, Brody Kostecki's an, a talent who we haven't seen much of, but we're now going to see him on the top level in a, in a top-line type car in the biggest race of the year. I reckon that these guys are uh, one of those ones that will float under the radar a bit because they don't have the name co-driver that Lowndes or Tander or, or Davison are, I like where they're, where they're headed. You remember how Anton was flying under the radar at his first Bathurst right up until well, qualified third in the he, shootout? He stuffed, he stuffed that up pretty quickly by punching out that lap, didn't he? Yeah, and, yeah, and then the door flew open on the opening lap and that sort of set the tone for the rest of the race. Um, I don't know. I reckon... I agree. They're not someone you would go into the race thinking, okay, they're, they're a combination that they're a combination to beat, but they're going to be strong. They'll definitely like, I'm, I'm excited to see Brody Kostecki in a good car. That yeah. Yeah. He, he's a gun. Like, yeah. yeah we're, we're going to see um, where he really sits now in the overall pecking order up against 
established known stars who are in good cars as well. And uh, when we go down the list, there's only one car left on the order and it is the triple eight car. Of course, 88 becomes triple eight because it's Bathurst and Lowndes is around. So Jamie has to add an eight to his window and fair call too, because it's the team's traditional number and it's served Craig Lowndes very well over the years. Wink up and Lowndes, three-time winners together in 06, 07 and 08, uh, fourth place last year. I mean, Lowndes' numbers, pardon my French, but are just bullshit. Like, listen to this. <laughs> they are. This. They really so, are. So from 2003, second, second, 15th, first, 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 fifth, first, second, third, third, tenth, first, 16th, 11th, first, fourth. That is ridiculous level of achievement for a sustained period of time at the race and the place that defines success like no other in the Supercast Championship. It's bullshit good. That's the only way to describe it. And he's not young either. Like, he's not old, but he's not young. (laughs) Like, he's gotten half of his wins over the age of 40. He seems to just be getting better and better. Ah, there's the next part of the question, though. You say he's getting better and better. Every guy that steps out of main game and isn't driving something, although he has raced this year. Mm. He did do, remember that everyone forgot, they did sneak one Porsche Carrera Cup race in at Albert Park before the event got shut down. Mm. It didn't go that well for him. He qualified well, but it turned to mark. But um, there comes a point where if you're not in the car during the year, you are not the A grader that you once were. He's got a few extra years on his calendar, I reckon, compared to some other guys who you would say after two or three would start to fall away. But I reckon every year the microscope's going to be placed on him, not as much externally, but more internally. They're, they're going to keep a close, close eye on is he going to keep on not just being Smiley Craig, but doing the job that he's there to do in the Enduros. Clearly he could do that for another couple of years without it being too much of a worry at all. But like they're in the mix here. Winkup's been the... He's been the guy who's got the results this year. Van Gisbergen's had the pace but not had the translation. Both cars are just as competitive at Bathurst. They're, they're in like that five or six cars that are every inch. Of, there's not much more to say, really. I mean, You can never up, count this combination out at Bathurst. Wink up and lounge. It's a Red Bull car. They're fast. End yeah. of story. End of story. Yeah. Jamie's not been on the podium since 2013. He's had a few chances to win. He was first across the line. <laughs> yes, he you has know, had a few chances to win. Yeah, I mean, and you know what? As much as everyone criticises him, he keeps on being in the game and yep. putting himself in the box seat. It just hasn't flowed his way. I mean, he was in the fight there last year. They made that call to pit and, um, and, and then couldn't the get the, car came Yeah, and just couldn't, couldn't get their way back through. Mm. Uh, the wheel fell off the previous year with PD at the helm. Uh, the car been, broke in 17 had, had yeah, the engine issue Yeah, but they cobbled it together Got it to the line 20th Enough laps to be classified And those points came in handy When they were on the line for the title in Newcastle And he got the job done Past the safety car The crash in 2016 that uh, You saw him win the race on the track But not on the timing sheet uh, He keeps on finding a way To be in the fight To potentially win And it's no different to footy. You've got to be in the finals. You've got to keep presenting. And the more you present, the more you step up, the door will open. So for all those who, you know, get stuck into him about the times he hasn't won, he's won it four times. It's not like he's never got it done and there's a (laughs) a monkey on his back and he's never done anything in his professional racing life. Uh, He's in the mix big time. Look forward to seeing how those boys go. The wild thing is if Jamie had actually won all of those races <laughs> where it went away from him, he'd be on, what, 10, 11? Oh, he'd be seven or eight easily. 
Easily. Well, don't be so sure. Twenty eleven, they had the. Oh, that's the one. That's the one everyone forgets that he yeah. was. They were the, he and Andrew Thompson were the dominant car that day. Led more laps off the top of my head than anyone else, and then the thing started doom, 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 chugging along and um, ground to a halt and started and stopped and carried on. Yeah. And so there's everyone, that one. Yeah, it's twenty fourteen where the car cut out on fuel halfway down Conrod. Everyone forgets that Chaz pushed his way past. Jamie didn't run out. Well, well, the other thing is there, 14 is one of those ones that if it goes slightly the other way, he looks like a genius. Yeah. And and he's won a bazillion races doing things against the grain that um, no one's criticised him for because he won rather than come up short. So you're right. Yeah, yeah. He's had plenty of plenty. I mean, he was a dead duck. He knew it in 15. Once that safety car came out behind Lowndes, he knew he was a goner there. But um, you've got to keep presenting. You've got to keep being in the right spot. And he has been. It's just that the result hasn't flowed for him. He has not won in the Car of the Future era at Mount Panorama. He won the last of the pro- uh, Project Blueprint era races in 2012 with Port Umbrell, the 50th uh, year celebration race, as it was. Not the 50th anniversary, not the 50th running. Yes. The 50-year celebration yeah. race. but Has been first across the line in the Car of the Future era, just didn't get to hold the trophy up. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly right. So that's that's the field. Uh, 24 cars, 25 if GRM uh, come up with two drivers that meet the super licence requirements for the race. But there's so many elements. There's so much history. That's what we love about the Bathurst 1000 every year, even if you're a casual fan who tunes in once in a blue moon to supercar racing or once a year for Bathurst. It's a must-watch. Of course, it'll be on Fox Sports. It'll be on KO. It will be on 10. It is 10's uh, final. Um, Bathurst is the broadcaster of supercars. Grant Denyer is the host of the broadcast this year. And, of course, 7 return to the mountain next year uh, with uh, supercars and for the Bathurst 1000. A couple of little housekeeping items. Of course, this is also the final Bathurst for Holden as an official brand. Of course, there will be Commodores on the grid next year, but not with Holden backing. So... Uh, the curtain comes down in one sense on Holden Racing at Mount Panorama. And, of course, our Racing the Lion collector's book, 400 pages, hardcover, packed with imagery and great information. You can jump on our online bookshop. It is bookshop.vhsleuth.com.au. The perfect book to have next to you while you're flicking through in a safety car period. It's getting a little boring in the race. You're looking for something. That's the book if you're a Holden fan to have sitting next to you while you're waiting for the race to really light up. Because let's face it, at Bathurst every year, there is a period or two or three where it gets a little quiet and we all go, gee, this is getting a bit boring. And then bang, something happens. You jolt it from your couch and you're back engaged with the race, whether it's a a shunt or a safety car or a pit stop or something interesting going on. A little bit of other news, Will. And we mentioned this man before uh, in the list of uh, best drivers never to win Bathurst. Glenn Seaton, as many of our listeners will know, has been working on his autobiography with us. Uh, We were originally planning to have that ready for the end of 2020. Better news, good news, it will be ready start of November. So just in time for Christmas, Glenn Seaton's official racing history book, 320 pages, full colour, bunch of photos that have never been published before. Uh, Amazing insights from Glenn's career, including a car-by-car history of all of the Glen Seaton Racing Sierras and Falcons. It's come together really well. If you're a fan of Seaton or Ford or Bathurst or motorsport, it's definitely one to add to the book collection for Christmas. So Stephen Bartholomew has worked with Glenn on that book. So I haven't been as hands-on with this project as I've been with some of our other ones. 
and it's been nice actually just sitting back and reading it. And if you, like, I highly recommend, I know I might seem slightly biased, but I highly recommend this book. I learned an awful lot of things throughout reading it and got a, Glenn was really open and honest about some of the stuff that happened to him. Some of the things that went on throughout his career, like it's, you're in for a treat if you get this book. Yeah. There's some real in-depth stories that he's, Never really told before. You can grab it from our online bookshop now. As indeed with all of our books, we've been really working hard on punching out plenty of books this year and into the new year as well. Uh, a new Mark Scaife book is being released from Affirm Press that, that will be with us in the next couple of weeks. So that'll be available as well. The new Wellington Street Race book is one that's got a lot of interest, particularly of Aussie-based Kiwis. We are the exclusive Australian distributor of that book that tells the story of the famous New Zealand street race of the 80s and 90s. So plenty to keep people entertained with. Uh, we are going to keep punching out the content we'll on the website in upcoming weeks. Next week, though, on the podcast, we will be revealing the winner of the V8 Sleuth Bathurst quiz, $250 uh, voucher prize to first prize, $150 to second, $50 to third. Still no one, I don't think, with the perfect score just yet of 20 out of 20. No, correct. If you um, if you answer everything the right way and get a perfect score, the big prize is still up for grabs. So get your entries in. They close Friday, October 9, 11.59pm. The questions are in that episode of the podcast, so click back an episode or two. And the answers you can fill out on the form on our v8sleuth.com.au website. If you can't find it, just search for the podcast quiz or search in the, uh, the, the podcast list to find that quiz article where you can fill in the multiple choice answers so even if you don't know the answers you've got a chance you can take a punt 25% chance on each question and you might be in the draw to pick up a couple of vouchers as well next week though Will uh, last episode for us before the super cheap auto Bathurst 1000 and given the flavour of Holden this year I think we should do a top 10 Holden Bathurst drivers of all time considering we did Ford last year I think that's only fair isn't it balance parity parity Bias. I call bias. <laughs> Gee, bias is the buzzword, isn't it, lately on socials? Does that mean we have to head off to, um, was it tomorrow or whatever that, that airstrip is and have a rundown it and make sure that we're even? Uh, no, no, no. VK cool. costs a lot of money. We don't need to go do that. <laughs> we do not need to go and do that. Hey, mate, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for running the ruler over the field uh, for the 2020 Super Cheap Auto Bathurst 1000. Hope our listeners keep enjoying the podcast. Go back and click through all the the previous episodes i'm sure there's a few from across the years across the, the last few months that you might not have heard of get yourself in the mode for bathurst and we will be back with you in a week's time as we count down the top 10 holden bathurst drivers of all time on the va sleuth podcast powered by timkin do you know how to find the right oil for your car now you can find out quickly and easily online thanks to castrol's rego to oil tool Simply type in your rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search rego, the number 2, and oil and find out.